Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're talking about the money supply and whether we would be better off with a fixed money supply, such as when the dollar was backed by the gold standard. In a fixed money supply, the economy cannot grow. In fact, it's possible for commerce to be inhibited by a lack of money in the system. Back in the 1970s, the Italian lira was dropping in value. That meant that the coins in circulation were worth more than the face value of the coins. You could melt down the coins and sell the metal for their raw material because they were worth more than the coins had on their face. Coins virtually disappeared from circulation. In those days, if you went to the grocery store, you could expect to receive change in the form of postage stamps, which actually had a face value. And when the postal service couldn't keep up with the demand for stamps, the shopkeeper would go to the shelf, grab a big bag of caramels or hard candies, and give you a handful of candies as change. It was not very long before you could go to the store and buy a bunch of bananas and pay for it with postage stamps or caramels instead of paper currency or coins. Now, if you think about it, you don't want commerce to be inhibited by a lack of coins in circulation. By extension, a fixed money supply can result in an inefficient distribution of monetary resources. If I start hoarding cash and keep that cash out of circulation, I can create the exact same conditions as the coin shortage in Italy in the 1970s. You don't even need to melt the coins down to create the problem. Just keep them in a jar in your kitchen cupboard and you'll create the exact same situation. We've been programmed to think that government has a monopoly on the money supply. But as we'll see, we've always had elasticity in the money supply. Let's imagine a simple example where you or I can create money out of thin air. Let's imagine that you're an artist and you paint a painting using about $20 in raw materials. You use some acrylic paint, some canvas, and you put the painting on display at the local gallery. A customer comes in and agrees to buy your painting for $1,000. It's a lovely painting, and $1,000 seems like a fair price. But the customer confesses that they're a little bit short on cash, so you agree to extend credit to the customer. The customer gives you $100 in cash, and you write up a loan agreement for the remaining $900. Did you, in fact, increase the money supply by $900 with the writing of that loan? I would argue that you did. That $900 now appears on your balance sheet as an asset, and there's $900 as a liability on the customer's balance sheet. Where did that $900 come from? It came from your painting. It was created out of thin air. Government was not a party to the transaction. The central bank had nothing to do with the creation of the $900 that funded the painting. Okay, so we've established that we actually don't need government to print money. Money can be loaned into existence. The liquidity in the market is going to be a function of lender sentiment and the loan terms. If the money's too expensive or the terms are too onerous for the borrower, well, then the borrower will decline to borrow and then put their plans on hold. The lender, on the other hand, will evaluate the quality of the collateral and make a lending decision based on a risk assessment of repayment. You want the money supply to be highly liquid and available for legitimate business purposes. You want it to be fueling the productive part of the economy, but you don't want it to be so free-flowing that it encourages irresponsible speculation. It's the latter that causes the dangerous economic boom and bust cycles. Unbridled lending in the lead-up to 2008 was one of the causes of the Great Recession. These days, we're hearing daily reports about inflation, but we're also hearing predictions of a deflationary cycle. If inflation's a problem, well then, would deflation be a possible cure? 
Well, the answer is a resounding no. In a market where we have insane debt levels, servicing that debt becomes more and more difficult. And if prices start to fall, then there's less revenue available to service the existing debt. And you still have to supply the product at lower and lower prices. And you still have to service the debt. It's not long before those businesses become insolvent. Deflation is what happened in the period from 1929 to 1934. When prices fell for basic commodities, farmers could no longer meet their loan obligations. Millions went bankrupt. Some argue that the gold standard, forcing each dollar to be backed by gold and silver, was the cause of the dollar shortage, which amplified the Great Depression, making it far worse than it needed to be. But as we've seen, it was not the Federal Reserve who has a monopoly on the creation of currency. Maybe each banknote was backed by silver in 1929, but credit on a lender's balance sheet does not require paper bills to sit in a vault outside of circulation until a loan gets written. There is elasticity in the money supply, and just as debt can be issued, it can be retired or written off. Is money destroyed when a loan goes bad? Well, the answer is yes. Money was destroyed, just like money was created when the painting was sold. In the wake of 2008, interest rates were not actually that high. The issue was that lenders were unsure of the quality of the collateral, and in those instances, they were not willing to lend at all, regardless of the interest rate. And that's what we have to worry about today. It's not just interest rates, it's quality of collateral. And it's quality of collateral in that risk assessment by the lender that's going to determine liquidity and whether lending is going to be available in the market at all. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.